We're talking about being led by the Spirit. Hallelujah. And we're using for three main texts in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And in the 16th verse, the Spirit, King James says itself, but he's, he's a he, so it's himself. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And then Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says, The Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Another translation says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Another one says the light of the Lord. Amen. So your spirit or the spirit of man is the light of the Lord. Hallelujah. And it's in the inward parts of the belly right here. That's where your spirit man lives right on the inside of you. That's the real you. Hallelujah. So that's how God leads us. He leads us by his spirit. Now, for those who haven't been with us, we encourage you to go back and listen to the tapes or CDs. They're available, or you can watch us online to get yourself up to where we've been. We've been talking about this for uh, several services now, and uh, so to help you get up to where we're at. Amen. Now, remember last time we talked about the significance of love, how to know we're being led by God's Spirit. And one of the simplest ways and easiest ways that you can tell that God has been endeavoring to lead you by His Spirit is because you're endeavoring to walk in love. Now, what do you mean? Because God leads you by love. Hallelujah. And the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So God's love lives on the inside of us. Amen. Why? Because God is love. And if you're going to have God's spirit in you, and that's exactly what happens whenever the Holy Ghost comes and lives on the inside of you. Now turn, if you would, to John's gospel, chapter 14. And watch it, what, what it says here in John chapter 14 concerning that fact. Hallelujah. Now watch what it says in John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Amen. So he's living on the inside of you. Glory to God. So that being the case, then his spirit lives in our spirit. So that's where the Spirit of God lives. When you accept Christ and you're born again, God's Spirit takes residence on the inside of you, so He lives in you. Amen? And then 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Know ye not that you, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. See, your body is the temple of the Spirit of God. Why? Because your body is where your spirit lives, and the Holy Ghost lives in your spirit. Amen? And so that's where he lives. He lives on the inside of you. So if he's going to lead you, he's going to lead you from the inside, the inward man or the inner man. And so we talk about the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Then we know that the word heart there that's used in the Bible does not mean the muscle that pumps blood, but it's the actual spirit of man or the real you. And so that means that God's love is shed abroad in our spirits by the Holy Ghost. So God's love is on the inside of you. Say it aloud. God's love, God's love lives, in me. lives in me. So you have God's love that's on the inside of you. Now turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We you know, talked about that a little bit this morning, you know, about code 13 or walking in love. Amen. The significance and the importance of that. Hallelujah. And remember, and we talked about it also in John chapter 13, the gospel of John chapter 13, where the Bible says, Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, 
that you love one another as I have loved you. He said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples because you have love one for another. And so God's love is in us, shed abroad in our hearts, in our spirits by the Holy Ghost. And that's the commandment we live by today. We also looked at Romans chapter 13, where it talks about, owe no man anything but to love him. And so the Bible went on to say that love, if we walk in love, the love is the fulfilling of the law. And so if we're walking in the commandment of love, we won't break any of the commandments that was given the curb sin. Those like, you know, that, that you, you won't kill your neighbor, you won't covet after his stuff or any of those things. We won't violate any of those laws that were given the curb sin, which we call the Ten Commandments. We won't violate those if we fulfill the commandment of love. Because if I love you, I won't steal from you. If I love you, I won't kill you. If I love you, I won't bear false witness against you. You understand what I'm saying? If I love you, I won't do those kinds of things. So if I walk in the law of love and fulfill that commandment, then I won't break any of those other ones. Hallelujah. And how can I do that? Because God puts his love on the inside of us that enables us to do those things. Because in the, you know, we talked about before also that in the Greek language, there's multiple definitions of love. But in the, in the English language, we only have one. But in the Greek language, which the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, then there's different aspects or different types of love. One's called phileo love, and that is natural human love. Now, the thing about that natural human love, it can turn to hatred overnight. Say, well, how do you mean? Well, that's how come people end up, you know, in love one minute and then divorce the next. That's right. Because something has happened to change that love. That love is based upon how you feel. But feelings, that's, that's a part of the flesh. It's not a part of the spirit. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So we don't get, we're not led by feelings. We're led by the Holy Ghost. Yes. Amen. And so that's something we have to understand. And so because people are led by feelings, that's how come they can fall in love, but then turn around and fall out of love. Are you all with me? I remember a gentleman I graduated from Bible school with. He actually from the Belleville area. And uh, he had some friends of his was getting married. And so they had this big elaborate wedding. And then they went to Denmark on their honeymoon and got divorced when they got home. So something happened. They fell in love, had this big elaborate wedding and fell out of love on the honeymoon and got divorced when they came home. Now think about that. So if they're walking in the love of God, that doesn't happen. Why? Because God's love is unconditional. It's called agape. A-G-A-P-E. Agape love. What kind of love is that? It's unconditional. It's not based upon what you can do for me. It's based upon what I can do for you. It's always based upon going the extra mile. You all with me? Amen. See, God's love for us is agape. It's unconditional. He doesn't love us based upon the things that we do. He loves us because that's who he is. That's what he is. He is love. And so he loves us no matter how we conduct ourselves. Now, he doesn't condone our actions if they're contrary to the word. And it doesn't mean that there are not consequences for their actions, for our actions, if we go against what the word says. There are consequences for violating the word. But does that mean God stops loving us? No. Because just like us and our children, we love our children unconditionally. Amen. Why? Because they're always our children. Even though we may not condone some things our children do, it does not stop us from loving them or does not stop them from being our children. However, they, like the prodigal son, they can leave your influence and they can go out and they can yield themselves to another influence and things can happen to them while they're out there under that influence But does that stop them from being your children? No, they're still your children. That doesn't stop you from loving them, but it may stop you from being able to do certain things for them because they've chosen to come out from underneath your leadership. You all with me? And follow that of another. 
And so there's consequences for things that can, be, can happen if you do things out there underneath that other influence. You all with me? But it doesn't stop you from being their, you know, your parent's child. You're still their child. Amen? They're still your parent. And they still love you. But it doesn't mean that they can fix some of the things that you do. Come on, y'all listen to what I'm saying? Amen. And that's one of the things that we have going on in our world today is people don't understand there's consequences for actions. We do certain things. You know, it's like, you know, John says a lot, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. You know what I'm saying? Amen. So you want to be careful about not playing stupid games. But you can violate things, you can do things out there because you leave the leadership or tutelage of your, of your parents and you get out there under the influence of other individuals or other different things, forces that are out there, and you can get yourself in trouble. Amen. And there's consequences for their actions. Right. I remember one individual, they had a nephew raised in a Christian home. But they, choose, you know, they chose to get out of the church and to go out and get involved with the wrong crowd, come under the influence of those individuals, and they, you know, they moved out of state, you know, the whole family had moved out of state. And so what happened was they, the individual, the, the, the nephew got to run around with the wrong group. They ended up in a convenience store one night and decided to rob it. And so someone, didn't they get murdered in that? You know what I'm talking about? Someone died over it and they ended up in prison for the rest of their life. See, they was raised in church. Their parents still loved them, but there's consequences for their actions. Now that may seem extreme and may be an extreme case, but it happens. Y'all listening? But it doesn't stop you from loving them. Well, we, God does not, he never stops loving us. But there comes a time sometimes we can get ourselves out from underneath his influence and get out on the devil's territory and we come under the influence of other individuals, other doctrines, other teachings, whatever the case may be, and we can get ourselves in trouble out there. Amen. That's right. Oh, yeah. And then when we do so, does that stop God from loving us? No, but it opens the door to the enemy. Oh, yeah. That's right. And if you open the door to the enemy, then the enemy has a right to get to you. If you don't open the door... Even though the enemy comes against you, he has no right to do so, and you resist him, and he has to flee from you. Amen. But the key to that scripture in James chapter 4 is submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. The key is submit to God, then resist the devil, and the devil will flee. If you don't submit yourself to God, then the enemy doesn't have to flee because you won't be in a position to resist him properly. The way you resist him is by submitting to the word. Why? Because how did Jesus resist the devil? He used the word of God. That's the way we have to do it. Amen. The exact same way. And so what was Jesus doing? Jesus, by using the word of God to resist the devil, was submitting himself to the will of God. Because God's word is his will. So what you do is you submit yourself to God's word. And by doing so, you submit yourself to his will. Then when you resist the devil with the word, then the devil has to flee. And if you look up the definition of the word flee, not in just your normal everyday dictionary, but get one of the big thick ones. And you'll find that there's a whole lot more definitions in some of those big thick ones. And one of the definitions is he will run from you as in terror. When you know who your God is and he's living on the inside of you, then you submit yourself to him, your God, by submitting to his word and use his word to resist the devil. And when the devil sees you know what you're talking about and he knows you mean business, the Bible literally says he will run from you as in terror. Amen. How many of y'all want the devil to run from you as in terror? Amen. We want the devil, whenever you get up in the morning, we want the devil, to, we want those demons to start creaming, uh, screaming, screaming across the land. Yes. They're awake! Hallelujah. 
That's what we want. Amen. We want them to fear us the way they're supposed to. And it's not us. It's because of him that's in us. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. All right. So we have God's love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And so he's endeavoring to lead us. He lives in our spirit. God's love is in our spirit, man. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Bible because it, they actually translated it properly. In the King James, they translated it charity, but it should actually be love. Amen. And so the Amplified Bible translates it properly. And so that's why we're going to look at it in the Amplified. Plus, it's going to help you to see things a whole lot clearer. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, talking about love, we're going to pick it up here in the fourth verse. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. So notice, that's how love operates. Not in jealousy, it's not envious. So we're talking about being led by the Spirit. One of the things that you've learned, I'll guarantee it, once you accept Christ as Lord and Savior, you're born again, then we know this, the Bible talks about what is the fruit of the reborn human spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul clearly tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. He said, against those things, there is no law. Now, I realize it says, you know, in the King James, it says faith, but what it literally means is faithfulness. Yes. See, one of, the, one of the fruit of the reborn human spirit is people become faithful. Y'all with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the first fruit that should be seen in the life of a born-again believer is love. Why? Because when a person gets born again, God's love is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So you have God's love living on the inside of you. And that's a big deal. Because as we begin to be led by the Spirit, the first thing that the Spirit does, because the Spirit is love... God's love, then he endeavors to lead us by love. And so one of the ways we can tell how God's been leading us by his spirit as after we accepted Christ, different things happen in our life where before we may have been envious. Now we know whenever that tries to come, we see somebody else get blessed and, we, and, and, and the enemy tries to get us to get envious because that's a work of the flesh. He tries to get us to get envious. Then on the inside of you, you realize, no, 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 no. We rejoice with those that rejoice. See, that's the Spirit of God leading you in love. Amen. And you didn't even realize God was leading you by His Spirit. Because on the inside of you, you just sense, no, there's no reason for me to be jealous. I'm not jealous of what what's happening to them. They got a promotion on the job. Praise God for them. Doesn't mean the enemy may not try to bring it to you. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? But yet on the inside of you, you just know, no, I'm not jealous of them. I know this. If God can do it for them, he can do it for me. See, that's the spirit of God leading you by that inward intuition. Just that inward knowing. No, I don't get jealous anymore. Y'all with me? That's the Holy Ghost leading you. That's extremely important. Because so many people, they want to hear something from God. They want to hear a voice. They want to hear this. They want to hear that. You want to be very careful about seeking voices. Because the devil will accommodate you. Amen. Verse 5. Love is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. 
for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Amen. See, God's love on the inside of you will not be affected by how somebody treats you if it's wrong. Like I said before, the Lord told me, he said, what they did to you is wrong. But if you let it affect you, it's your problem. Amen. That was the spirit of God endeavoring to lead me. Why? Because you don't want to get out of love. You get out of love, your faith won't work. Because the Bible says, faith which worketh by love. That's what Paul said to the church of Galatia. And so he's telling us that today. Our faith works by love. And I'm convinced that carries a law of dual reference. One is us walking in love. Two is us understanding God's love for us. If we realize how much God loves us, then we know the God who's the creator of heaven and earth. Elohim, almighty, all-powerful, all-creating God, the God that's more than enough, El Shaddai, the provider, the healer, the deliverer, all those things, Jehovah. Then we know that he won't let the enemy destroy us because we know how much he loves us. That's a big deal. You have to know that that's how much God loves you. And I know this, you try to hurt or harm my, ch- my family, my children, we got a problem. And I'm going to do everything in my power to stop you. But I'm limited in the natural. But God's not limited. But his ability to protect and defend us. The host of heaven are available. Warrior angels can come to our aid to provide protection for us. Ministering spirits can come to our aid to help to supply our need. Y'all with me? Yes. Hallelujah. All right, verse six. Love does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. You ever had the thoughts come to your mind to look down on someone? But see, on the inside of you, the love of God tells you, no, 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 don't, don't think that way about them. Yeah. You don't know who they are. You don't know what they're going through. That's it. You know what kind of person they are. That's right. Don't judge them. That's not your place. Yeah. See, when the Spirit of God starts put, doing those things, he, he starts, those things start coming up out of your spirit. They come up to your mind. Yeah. That's because the Holy Ghost deals with us in our spirit and then our spirit speaks to our mind. That's our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. But it's our spirit that speaks to our mind. The Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. And that's where the voice comes in. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. But it's the voice of your spirit. And your conscience, which is the voice of your spirit, speaks to your soul, your mind, your emotions, in the form of thoughts. But the Holy Spirit talks to your spirit, then your spirit speaks to your mind or speaks to your soul. You all listen to what I'm saying? Comes in the form of thoughts. And so if you're a born-again believer walking in fellowship with God, your conscience is a safe guide. But you can even be a born again believer and not walking in fellowship with God. And if you're not walking in fellowship with God, then that means you're not renewing your mind with God's word. That's right. And so your mind is not thinking necessarily the right way to think. You all with me? That's why you have to renew your mind. Receive with meekness, James said, James chapter 1. The engrafted word which is able to save Restore and renew your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you have to receive with meekness the engrafted word. And it's the word, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, and be not conformed to this world. Amplified Bible says adapted to its superficial customs, 
but be renewed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideas and its new attitude. So when you renew your mind with the Word of God, you develop a whole new idea, a whole new attitude. You look at things completely differently because now you look at them in the way God looks at them because you're looking at them through His Word. And you're asking yourself, what does God say about it? Y'all with me? Which is take us all the way back to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear into my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Y'all listening? The life comes to those that find them. Not everybody. Those that take the time to keep it in front of their eyes, keep it in the midst of the heart, meditate on it, think about it, ponder it, becomes life to them and health to all their flesh. People wonder, why is it so-and-so got healed but somebody else didn't? Well, so-and-so may have been keeping the word in front of their eyes, keeping it in the midst of their heart, meditating on it, thinking about it, pondering it. Amen. Lining their thoughts and their life up with what the word says. That's right. Remember Mark chapter four, what did Jesus said to his disciples? He said, take heed what you hear. For with the same thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will determine the amount of virtue and knowledge. That word virtue means strength and power. The word knowledge means revelation that you'll get out of the truth that you hear. So if we don't put forth any effort to the truth we hear, we don't get out of it the revelation or the power that it's supposed to produce. Y'all with me? Amen. And so that's why we have to give some effort to it. We have to think about it. We have to ponder it we got to let it become a part of our spirit nature and get our minds renewed with it. So we develop new ideas and new attitudes so that Romans 12 then, verse 2, we may prove for ourselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even that thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for us. So we have to spend time meditating on the Word. Are you all with me? Hallelujah. Thinking about what the Word says, pondering that in our heart. Hallelujah. That helps us to train our soul, renew it, restore it, and it helps us to train the human spirit. Amen? The way to train the human spirit is, number one, you have to be born again and filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Number two, you have to feed upon the word of God. And number three, you have to spend time praying in other tongues, praying in the spirit. That's how you train your human spirit, your reborn human spirit. So you have to be filled with the spirit, born of the spirit, filled with the spirit. You have to feed upon the word of God and you got to spend time praying in other tongues. That's how you train your spirit man. It doesn't come any other way. And the more time you spend in fellowship with the Spirit, then the more intimate you become with Him and the more sensitive you become to His voice when He speaks to your spirit. But always remember, anything the Holy Ghost speaks to you will always line up with what's written in the Bible. That's why the Bible's so important. Study to show yourselves approved unto God, workmen who needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, correctly analyzing, and skillfully utilizing the Word of God. That's why the Bible is so important to us, because that's the solid foundation. Everything we receive from God is based upon His Word. See, I'm, my prayers are not answered based upon how I feel. 
you run across a lot of people, if they pray, and I've seen people do it, you know, you could have a prayer meeting, and it just, maybe it's one of those upbeat prayer meetings, you know, people get a little excited and shout a little, they dance a little jig for joy. Boy, we had a time. Boy, we penetrated in heaven tonight. How do you know? You based it upon what you felt. Has nothing to do with what you feel. Has to do with what the Bible says. The Bible tells me in, in, in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, this is the confidence or the boldness, one translation says, that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, verse 15, we know that we have the petitions we've desired of him. My prayers are not answered based upon how I feel when I pray. My prayers are answered because I prayed in line with the Bible. And the word tells me because I prayed according to his word, his will, that he heard me. And because I know he heard me, because I prayed in line with his word, then I know that I, what I asked for, I got. Amen. So I don't care how vibrant that time of prayer was. I don't care. There's times you pray and it just seems like your words hit the ceiling and fall right back on you. But does that mean God didn't hear your prayers? No. Because no. your prayers are based upon faith. And faith in what God's word says. It takes faith in every area and aspect of our prayer life. Amen. Not just the prayer of faith. Every type of prayer we pray. Right. It takes faith. To believe that what we're doing in line with the word is actually accomplishing something. Because the word says it is. Yes. And that's of the utmost importance to us. Uh, do me a favor, turn if you would to Luke chapter 18. We're going to take a little side journey. Is that okay? Now I'm going to read to you first from the uh, King James Version. Then I'm going to read to you from the Amplified. And you'll see a whole lot more light there in it. All right, now watch what it says here. Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Now that's the King James. It's a little bit blind to us. Watch this in the Amplified. Also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither reverenced and feared God nor respected or considered man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Protect and defend and give me justice against my adversary. And for a time he would not. But later he said to himself, Though I have neither reverence or fear for God, 
nor respect or consideration for man. Yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend and protect and avenge her, lest she give me intolerable annoyance and wear me out by her continual coming at, coming, or at last she shall come and rail on me or assault me or strangle me. <coughs> I believe that this woman wanted justification. In other words, she's not stopping. Hello? See, so many people, when we take we prayer, we take, we pray, take prayer, we try to put all the prayer under the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is only one type of prayer. And you can't just throw it all together and just think everything's going to uh, operate by that one law. There's prayer that requires fervence. Supplicatory prayer. The very word supplication, and you'll find the word supplication mentioned in prayer just as much as you do intercession. The very word supplication means deep, earnest, continued, heartfelt. Deep, earnest, continued, and heartfelt. That means it's not just something you do one time. When it comes to the prayer of faith, you already know what the Bible says. You've taken the time to study the Word of God, and you've got faith built in your heart for what it is you're believing for. You release your faith. You receive it by faith. And from that moment on, you shift gears and go to the prayer of thanksgiving. You all with me? But there's other types of prayer. And when it comes to praying for a nation, you don't just pray the prayer. You pray in faith, but you don't pray the prayer of faith because too many different variables are involved. You've got individuals that are elected to leaders or leadership that's supposed to do things properly, but it doesn't mean that they do. But they still have wills. Those wills have to be adjusted. God won't violate those wills, but what God will do will endeavor to allow things to take place or transpire to adjust those wills to line up in his position. But he won't force them to do so. You understand what I'm saying? Just like he won't force your loved one's wills. Just as much as you want to pray and just have God to just save them today, God cannot violate their will. But if you're standing in faith for their soul, then God will allow things, I like to call them signposts, along their road of life that will endeavor to guide them to where he wants them to be, to get back in line with his will, because it's not his will for any to perish. So if it's not his will for any to perish, then that means it's, it's his will for all to be saved. So he wants them all to be saved. That's his will. He doesn't want them to perish. But yet, even though it's his will for them all to be saved, he won't violate their will. He won't force his will upon them. Emphasis on the word force. But he will try to get their will to line up with his will, and he does that by putting these little signposts along the way. And what happens is they go by and they see these things. He does it in the form of a lot of different things, the way he does things, okay? It may just be a testimony about what God's done for somebody else in their life. And they heard mom and daddy talk about those things. Y'all listening? And then all of a sudden, they run into somebody out of the blue, perfect stranger, and they're telling the very same thing mom and daddy told them when growing up. What is that? It's one of those signposts that God uses to help to... To, to turn their will, to guide them in line with his will. Which if you're praying for their soul, that's your will too, obviously. Isn't it? But he doesn't force them. He puts these signposts there. Then he sends another one. Then he sends another one. Then he sends another. And over a period of time, as they begin to see these things, remember, they're a spirit. Even though they may not be born again, they're still a spirit. So if God's going to endeavor to deal with them, he's going to, how's he going to deal with them? Through their spirit. Because he's a spirit. He has to deal with them through his spirit. Yes. 
So he may allow these natural things for the purpose of getting them to begin to listen to their spirit. You understand what we're saying? And in doing so, he's endeavoring to give them a detour. Because if they're on the road to destruction, obviously God wants to get them off that road and get them on the road to everlasting life. And so on this road, he's got these signs, and these signs are like little detour signs, and they help to get them headed back to the right direction. But he won't force them to do so. He gives them, every time they see one of those signs, and listen to what I'm saying, every time they see one of those signs, they have to make a choice. But the choice is theirs. Even though he allows the signs to be there, the choice is still theirs. See, that's why he's not violating their will. He's giving them an opportunity to make a choice. Am I making sense to you? Amen. Well, how many found out it takes time? You don't just pray that one time. You pray for their soul over and over and over again. You continue with that earnest, heartfelt prayer. It doesn't just have to be someone that's unsaved. It could be another brother or sister who's going through a test or a trial, going through a battle in their life, and they need you to pray. Continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer. Because the enemy is coming against them. Even though they're born again. How many had the devil come against you? Huh? And how many found out he's relentless? He don't just give up. He don't just quit. He keeps trying to come against you. Well, what we want as your brothers and sisters in Christ is we don't want you to give in or give up. Amen. That's right. And those tests and trials keep coming. Well, we have to keep praying. Keep making that power available. Y'all listening? Keep making it available. So that the Spirit of God can lead you too. Because he still, listen, even though you're a born again believer, he will still not force his will on you. You still have to make a choice to follow him. Y'all with me? It's still your choice. And so when we're praying for brothers and sisters, that's a continued, earnest, heartfelt prayer. James says it this way, makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. See, what does our prayer do? It makes the power available for the person to get their need met. It doesn't force it on their will. It just makes it available. So our job is to continue to make that power available so that they'll yield to the power and let it make the change in their life. That's good preaching, folks. Why? Because I'm hearing this straight from heaven. I've never taught it this way before, but this is exactly right. This is right in line with the Word of God. Y'all listening? Hallelujah. So that's why we continue to pray. All right, let's get back to what the, what the Bible says here. So the unjust judge says, because she continues to come, I'm afraid she's going to rail on me or assault me or strangle me. Verse 6, then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Now, when Jesus makes a statement like that, that means there's something, there's revelation here we need to get a hold of. He says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not our just God defend and protect and avenge his own elect his chosen ones who cry to him day and night. Will he defer them and delay help on their behalf? See, what did he say? Those chosen ones, those elect ones, the believers who cry to him day and night. See, we don't just pray once in some areas and give up. It takes faith to keep praying. It, came, it takes faith to believe that God's hearing your prayers. Why? Because it's based upon what the Word says. And we know this, when we're praying for our nation or praying for our brothers and sisters or praying for things like that, we know that lines up with God's will. Why? Because 1 Timothy chapter 2. What did the Apostle Paul tell, the, tell Timothy? First of all, 
prayers, supplications, intercession, giving of thanks, be made for all men, for kings, for those in authority over you, that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So we pray for those in leadership. Amen? And I realize in some instances, some of those individuals could literally be enemies to the plan of God. So what do you do then? What do you say? Pray for your enemies. Isn't that right? We have to pray for them. We may pray for them a little differently, but we still have to pray. We pray for our enemies. Because if they're an enemy of the faith, then they're our enemies, and they're God's enemies. We have to pray for them. Y'all with me? Hallelujah. That's in line with his word. It takes faith for you to continue to pray for your enemies. Huh? Doesn't it? When it seems like nothing's happening. But listen, we're not the ones that makes it happen. All we have to do is do the praying part. He's the one that does the job. And we got to leave that in his hands. It's not how we want it, but see, that's what we get to. Most. How many of y'all understand what I'm saying here? Yeah. We, want it, we want to see it done the way we want it to be done. Boy, it's a good thing we're not God. Because if we were God, we would just fry some folks' hides. Hmm? Wouldn't we? But you know what? That means if somebody else was God, they'd have fried our hides too. So I mean, we don't want to be in the hide frying business. That's not our place. We're in the praying business. We'll let God handle the frying part. Whatever he has to do, that we'll leave that up to him. We're supposed to pray. Hallelujah. Y'all listen to what we're saying? Verse 7, And will not our just, our just God defend and protect and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry to him day and night? Will he defer them and delay help on their behalf? No. He, the answer's coming, folks. Listen, the answer's coming. We're praying about different things, and some of the things we're praying about right now is that. Because there's no doubt that there's a, there, the, the enemy wants to remove from us our religious freedoms. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants nothing more than to take the church out. But we're not going anywhere. Hallelujah. Because, oh yeah, 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 I'll, I'll do that. As soon as I said that, I, hold the, I heard the Holy Ghost say, yeah, he said, you're fixing to go somewhere. You're fixing to come home. Hallelujah. And until we go home, the devil can't do anything. Amen. He can try to stir things up, but he can't take over as long as we're here. Right. We got to be gone before he can take over. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that day's coming. That day's coming. And it's coming sooner than what people think. Is it going to be tomorrow? Probably not. But he's coming soon. And when we think about God, we've got to think about how he looks at things. Time is not an issue to him. What's an issue to him is his plan. When his plan is fully consummated, we're, we're out of here. So until we're, until, he, until we're gone, understand this, we're fulfilling his plan. And just stay focused on the fact that God's got a plan. Hallelujah. And that plan is going to come to pass. Amen. God's got a plan. It's coming to pass. Because once that plan's finished, we're out of here. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So let's take advantage of that time that the plan's being consummated. And let's endeavor to get as many people into the kingdom as we can. Because once that's over, they're going to have to die to make heaven. In essence, we did. We died to the old man and was resurrected in the newness of life. We died to make heaven. But they're going to have to physically die to make heaven. And we don't want to put that on anybody. So let's get as many of them saved as we can. So they can die to their old nature now and put on Christ, the new nature, and then just go in the rapture. Because we don't want to put that pressure on them. Not if we can help it. All right, verse 8. I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. Doesn't take God long to do things. 
Hallelujah. Over and over you'll find suddenlies in the Bible. Just like on the day of Pentecost. They were all in one place in one accord and suddenly they came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. Amen. Suddenly. I tell you, he will defend and, and protect and avenge them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find persistence in faith on the earth? In other words, what he's saying, will he find that when, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find this kind of persistent faith in the earth? It's a dwindling thing in the church world, unfortunately. And why? There's a specific reason why this persistent faith is dwindling. Why? Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. So if we have dwindling faith, then that means we have dwindling Word. In essence, if this kind of faith is not what's happening in the church today, that means the word's not being taught in the church. I didn't say it. I'm not the one that wrote to Rome. I'm not the one that said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The apostle Paul did. I'm not the one that wrote Luke that said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this persistent faith in the earth, in the church? Because remember, he's coming for the church. Will he find this persistent faith in the church? And if faith comes by hearing, and to have persistent faith, you have to hear the word, then if you don't have persistent faith, then that means the word's not being heard. Y'all see it? Yeah, I see it. <laughs> Amen. And that is way deeper than what people think. It really is. Hallelujah. So we want that persistent faith. All right, so back to we're being led by the Spirit. And that's the Holy Ghost leading me and teaching this very truth right now. That's the Holy Ghost. Amen. So he leads us by his spirit and he leads us primarily through that inward witness. And it lines up. And the first way he starts is by love. In Romans chapter 13, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. See, when you accept Christ, you get born again. You may have attacked. I'm not talking about physically but verbally attacked friends or whatever people, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But when you get born again and you start to do that, all of a sudden on the inside of you, there's just, don't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah. That's right. Don't do that. Yeah. What was that? It was the Holy Ghost leading you in line with love. That's why love is the first thing he uses in his leading us by his spirit. Why? Because it's the first fruit of the reborn human spirit. So he uses that love, that inward intuition. And as we begin to yield to that and yield to it and grow in that, then we start noticing it in different areas, not just in love, but in other areas. Maybe it's just going to do something. But that same unction that guided us in love is the same unction because you've gotten familiar with it is the same unction that tells you, don't go that way home tonight. You all out there? Yes. Yes. Don't go that way home tonight. Yeah. Go this way. Yeah. You all out there? Yes. We left church, I think it was Wednesday night, we left church and we wanted to stop by Dollar General getting something and we could have stopped at the one right down here because it was like quarter till nine or ten, quarter to ten. They closed at ten. But I just, just sensed in my heart, we need to go to the one out by the house. All right. 
And so we drove and pulled in. And as we pulled in, there's a lady there changing a tire. And so I told Jan, I said, go in and get the stuff we want. And I'm going to change her tire. And so I walked over and I said, hey, I said, let me change that tire for you. Oh, no, I can't. I said, no, no. I said, let me change that tire for you. Well, then come to find out she had scars, horrendous scars on her arms from surgeries that she's had. She's in her 30s for carpal tunnel. They literally had to take a nerve out of the back of her leg and put it in, in her arm. And she said, I can change it, she said, but I'll, I'd suffer for it, you know, for a week afterwards. Well, I was there to change that tire for her. Just that unction on the inside. We drove right by one to go to another one. But that's the one God wanted me to be at. You listen to what I'm saying? Now, did we preach a message to her? No. We did, but not, in the, not with words. Right. Yeah. We did it with our actions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So now, she works there. Now, when we go back in there, y'all listening? Now, we've got favor with her. Now we can speak some things into her life that we could have never done before. Because we've already done something to bless her. See, that was just an inward unction. Because wisdom would have said, man, you may not make it. Just go to the one right here. But in my heart, we can make it. And we went. You see what I'm saying? And the long-term effects of that, we won't find out right now, but we know the opportunities are going to arise. Because if he wanted us to be there to change that tire, don't you know he's going to open doors for us to be there to speak now in her life? Hallelujah. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. Just that easy. And you don't think about it, you know, because it's so subtle. But it's the same unction that God used love. I realized that that was actually love too, wasn't it? It was to be a blessing. But still, it was a different unction. I mean, same unction, but it's different, different, in a different area. It wasn't like don't say that because you could offend them, or don't. Do, it wasn't that. But you see what I'm saying? So that's the primary way He leads us, and He starts using love. It's one of the easiest ways to see that he's leading us by his spirit. And then the second thing, the way he leads us is by the inward voice. And that's what we're going to pick up next time. The inward voice. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't planning on taking that little side journey there in Luke chapter 18, but it was worth it, wasn't it? Yes. It was worth the little trip, wasn't it? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to talk about how he leads us by that inward voice. Amen? Glory to God. And it'll be a blessing to you. Are you learning anything about being led by the Spirit? Is it helping you? Hallelujah. God's so good. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that the entrance of your word gives us light, gives us that understanding, is indeed a solid foundation. And Father, we give you all the glory for that. We thank you for blessed, precious people hungry for the word of God. Hallelujah. And Father, as we've started these services back on Sunday night, I know that there's people out here, they attend other churches. We're not trying to steal church members. We just want to teach them the word of God. And Father, they're there. They need to hear the word. So we ask you to touch people's heart. Draw them in so they can learn. So they can hear the word. Because Lord, one thing is, we know that there needs to be persistent faith in the earth when Jesus comes back. 
And Father, my promise to you, as well as to the people, is to teach them the word of God. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, for bringing people in that have hungry hearts to hear the word, to learn, and to grow, and to be effective. For Father, I've watched you do it in people's lives over the years. Those that will grab a hold of it, act upon it, put it to practice. Lord, I've watched you turn them into spiritual dynamos. Prayer warriors, witnesses that you use for your glory. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, for bringing in hungry hearts. We're going to be obedient to what you've told us to do. Now we trust you to touch their hearts and that they will be obedient to avail themselves to what they can have, what they can learn, so that they can grow. And Father, we give you all the glory for that. In Jesus' precious, wonderful, and holy name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, anybody need prayer for anything else tonight before we go? Want us to pray for you, lay hands on you? We always want to give people an opportunity. If you need God to touch you physically, get up out of your seat and come. Let us pray for you. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Hallelujah. So which one had the high fever? Aaron? Aaron. Okay. Mm -hmm. 